Today's Bible reading comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 21. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin, for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Thanks, Eleanor. And look, I would like to um, just add my welcome to Hugo's to uh, everyone here today. And it's great that we can uh, gather and uh, and share together and worship and eat and have some excellent coffee. And up those who are quite impressed with the refreshments before the service starts. Yeah, it's a it's a overwhelming endorsement. I think we should continue on. Look, I've um, I've got just a couple of announcements I'd like to bring. Um, both very exciting, I have to say. One is that on the twenty sixth of March, I'm calling it Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday, because I just have a bit of a... How good's that? So that one person's already approached me to uh, want to be baptised on the 26th of March. But this is a great opportunity for others who, if you haven't been baptised, but you sense that God's been tugging at your heart, you, you sense that that's something you should do, that it's a public declaration that God is doing something in your life. It's a public demonstration of an inward change. We're going to, and we're going to sort out the logistics, but we're going to have some sort of baptismal thing um, here. And uh, so if you would like to be baptized, can I really encourage you to prayerfully consider it and to, uh, to contact me? But we are definitely going ahead on the 26th of March, so I'm excited about that. Baptism Sunday. The other thing is um, small groups. Now, if I was to uh, mimic, which I wouldn't dare do, our, our senior pastor, Jonathan Davies, I would make the comment, have I ever told you how important small groups are? Well, they are important. And we want to establish small groups in a significant way here at Seeds um, Corolla Park. And so what we're going to do is we're, um, we're going to do it in a couple of ways. One is we're, having, we're going to start a, a very focused four weeks um, series leading up to Easter. So I know that some people, they get a bit nervous about the idea of a small group. You think, I'm, what am I signing on for? Is it going to be for the next seven years? You know, Is it going to be sort of a major commitment in my life? Well, I'm going to give you a bit of a taster. So there's an opportunity to have a four-week time in a small group. And what this is, is for two good, great reasons. One is, 
it's important for you to be able to build your own faith up. But also it's a great way to connect with other people. So for those two compelling reasons, we're offering this four-week startup series in small groups. And so after this service, um, Joy is going to be... Um, is going to be in the foyer area with a sheet of paper and you can actually sign on. I really encourage people to make the opportunity. Um, we'll, we'll work out the logistics of actually exactly when, but the important thing is to get people to join us. There's also um, on that uh, slide that was put up earlier about um, all these buttons on our website, um, there's one you can click to join a small group. So um, we've got this four-week concentrated burst starting up, but also we want to have ongoing small groups. In fact, there it is. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, fourth one down. Click here to join a small group. How easy is that? That's all we've got to do. Just click there. And, uh, and then we can set up a bunch of small groups. But we're really keen to make small groups part and parcel of all that we do here at, at Seeds Corolla Park. So um, see Joy afterwards to sign up for the four-week um, study leading up to Easter. We, and the studies will follow the, um, the sermons which we're going to preach. So myself and two other preachers are going to be taking a series of um, messages, which I'll talk more about next week, leading up to Easter. But the studies will follow the topics that the preachers are going to take on those things. So it should be excellent. But uh, today, as, uh, as Hugo mentioned, I want to preach on the subject of a fresh start. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us and lead us into truth and understanding ask it in Jesus name Amen there's one particular verse that, that was in the in the verses that Eleanor read to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 and I'm just wondering whether I uh, thank you um, so I, I, the fonts increased on the back slide which is not, you don't have to worry about but it's greatly assisting me because somehow or other my eyes aren't quite as sharp as some of the young, other younger people here. I know that would be a surprise to people today, but I've, I've got it worked out now. Thank you. So the, the verse is, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or other versions say they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Now this is a really exciting verse. And I just want to begin it by saying, has anyone ever experienced the joys of, of something brand new? It might be um, a, new, a new possession. It might be if you've ever had the joys of having a new car. And it's happened occasionally to me. And um, just the smell of a new car and the feel of it. I don't want to get carried away, but I just love a new car. Uh, I'd like to see more of it. Um, or dare I say, a new relationship. That's always good. And uh, yesterday, some of us had the opportunity to be able to share in the engagement party for Haley and Stephen. Uh, just put your hands up there. Just give them a hand because I think it's a good thing. 
and they're going to get married in September and uh, I've got the great privilege of being able to officiate at that wedding. So new things are always exciting. A new holiday, a new job, exciting and scary at the same time. Something new. Well, the Bible promises that we might have a whole new life. Not a patched up life, not a slightly modified life, but the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And when we say in Christ, what we're really meaning was they're in relationship with Jesus. So if you're putting your faith, not in yourselves or in other people, but if you're putting your faith in Christ, the Bible says that if you do that, you are a new person, a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And this is the great message of the gospel that we have this new life. And I want to tease it out today under the three headings. Just want to touch on what it means to be a new person in Jesus. Because it's a great thing. I mean, often people say, oh, if only I could start again. You know, you've made a mistake. You know, it might be in a relationship. It might be you may in a, in a job or in a family circumstance or, or the way you've behaved. And you regret what you've done. And you think, if only I could start again. If only we could wind the clock back and begin again. Yeah. Well, if you're trusting in Christ, you can have a new start. A fresh start. Every day is a new day in Jesus doesn't matter how bad yesterday was. Today is a new day with new hopes and new possibilities. So if you're in Christ, you have this new life. Let me just tease out what that means in practice. The first thing I want to just share with you and what the Bible talks about is that we can have a new heart. A new heart. Come right with me right back to the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36... There's a great promise that the prophet has for the nation of Israel, but it's also a promise that applies for us today. The Bible says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you, and this is where the new bit comes in, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And just keep those words up there, thanks, Tom. So when the Bible talks about a heart, it's not talking about this this um, organ within you, this muscle, which is um, thankfully beating reasonably well right now. The Bible talks about the heart as if it's almost like our our, our true self, our inner self, the seat of our emotions. And so it's what we are. It's who we are. And so the Bible says that, and the promise of the gospel is that God will, will give us a new heart and a new spirit. And he says he will remove from us our heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I love that because a stone speaks of something which is, dare I say it, resistant. Something which is impenetrable. Something which is hard. Something which is lifeless. And God says he's going to remove from us our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And in this context, often in the New Testament, flesh is, is often thought about in a negative way, but 
But in the in in this context, the, the heart of flesh means a heart which is soft, a heart which is alive, a heart that is pliable or responsive, and that's what the gospel is all about. That God says, "I'm going to put a new heart within you," and what actually is going on that when you come to Christ, you actually undergo a spiritual heart transplant. You see that, folks. A spiritual heart transplant where God removes from us our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And it's something that God does. It's not something where we say, right, today, okay, it's a new day. I'm going to try hard and I'm going to dig deep and I'm going to try and be a better person. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is we need to come to Christ to be united with him. And he takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And it's a gift from him. It's something that he does. How good's that? To have a new heart. And so often, you know, we talk about our hearts. We talk about someone's a hard-hearted person or someone, um, if, they're, if they're really grieving, you know, they, they're, um, they feel like they've got a broken heart. Or if you're a very emotional person and people... They say, oh, that person wears their heart upon their sleeve. I know, you may know some people like that. You don't have to sort of be a, have a PhD in psychology to work out how a person is if they wear their heart upon the sleeve because you can just tell when you look at them. You may be married to someone like that or you may be in a relationship with someone like that, or you may know someone like that where it's very clear that they wear their heart upon their sleeve. You just know how they're going. Well, that's what the heart speaks about who we are. And God promises if we come to Christ, that he gives us a new heart, a responsive heart, an alive heart, a teachable heart, a soft heart. I mean, I think it's pretty good. Amen. God promises to give us a new heart. So that's the first thing. And my question is, have you had that spiritual heart transplant? Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to take away a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. That's the first thing. New heart. I love that. The second thing is, in terms of this newness, that God's going to give, God gives us a new family. A new family. And you may think, what's that about? Well, come with me to the book of Ephesians. I know that's a surprise because for those who may not be aware, um, I have spent a fair bit of time teaching and preaching out of the book of Ephesians. In fact, just as a little aside, now that you've mentioned it, um, on our Seeds website, there's a series about Ephesians. In the middle of COVID, um, Rod Dyson, who happens to be here today with Liz, Rod said to, to, to Joe and I, I reckon it'd be great if you hosted a, um, a, uh, a live, um, not Zoom, but a live thing anyway, on, um, on a Wednesday night on the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And, uh, you know, this is in the heart of COVID. I don't know if you can remember what, how tough that was at the time. And, and we went into the church and there was four people. There was Joy, Rod, a cameraman, and me. And that was it. And we were broadcasting. I didn't know how many people were out there. And you're just hoping 
there was an opportunity to make comments, and I've got to say that a certain gentleman, Mr. Rob Humble, might have made some interesting comments um, at the time, but you could ask questions. But what's interesting is that we put this out there, and I've had people come up to me, even recently, who have watched this series of Ephesians about spiritual warfare and have been encouraged. Um, so I just say that there's a lot of resources on our website, and um, and it was a great experience um, to do it actually but uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 there's a promise here where Paul says he predestined or he planned for us to be adopted um, into his family so let me just um, I just want to give you a bit of a context so I'll just um, I'll go back one verse or two I'll just pick it up in verse 4 Talk about what God has done. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In other words, he planned, even before the world was created, for us to be adopted to be his children. And you may think, well, what's all this about? Well, the reality is that outside of Christ, we're actually in another family whose father is the father of lies. And what God wants to do is bring us into his family where he is the heavenly father with, his, with our elder brother Jesus. But to get from this family under the father of lies into God's family, we actually need to be adopted. And God adopts us into his family. So he takes us out of another family into his family and he calls us his children. And so we receive a new family. And so without wanting to embarrass anyone, if you just slightly look to your left and to your right, maybe glance over your shoulder, what you're seeing today is part of God's family. And that's what you, when you put your trust in Jesus, you join that family. And you don't join it because you're smart. You don't join it because you, you, know, um, you know a lot about the Bible necessarily. No, you join it because God has reached down to us in his son Jesus and adopts us into his new family. And we have an identity. And that's who we are. So many people are looking for identity. Many people are trying to ask the question, well, what, what's my purpose and who am I? Well, I've got to tell you, God wants you to know that he can, you can be his child. You can be a son and daughter of the living God. That you can be part of his worldwide family, his ever-expanding family. God gives us a new family. You know, there's, a, there's an expression, you know, you can, you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your relative. And, uh, and that's true in the sense that, that God has chosen us and wants us to be part of his family so we receive a whole new family, a new destination, a new identity. That's who we are. A son and daughter of God, it's, it's a whole subject in itself. But can I just say that no one here today, no one here today is a biological accident. You are not just the chance meeting of some male and female cells, can I tell you. you know, I've heard people say sometimes when there's a big gap between uh, the second oldest person in the family and the very youngest person in the family I've known there are a few circumstances where the parents have said to the very youngest child in the family oh well you know of course you were a mistake you know 
It's a shocking thing to say. No one is a mistake. We're not just biological freaks. We're not here by chance. But God has planned, even before the world was created, that you and I would be part of his family. And he brings us into his family by this thing called adoption, where he brings us into his new family. So you have a new heart. How good's that? And a new family. A new family. That's a great thing about marriages. You know, you see these families coming together. Yesterday, I, I met um, the family members of, of Haley and Stephen. And you see these connections forming because they've come together and there's a whole new family being started. Well, we come into a new family. And we have a new identity. But the, the third thing and the final thing I just want to touch on this whole subject of new life is that we get a thing which I'm calling a new start. I said before, sometimes, you know, we've got regrets in life and we just wish that we could start again. We just wish that things could be different. Well, there's a great promise in the scriptures in the book of Romans chapter 8 where, um, where Paul says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I, meant, I said before, to be in Christ Jesus is to be in relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're in relationship with Christ, you are not condemned. You're not condemned. Other people may try and condemn you. The enemy may try and condemn you. The enemy will remind you of past faults and past failings. But if you're trusting in Christ, you're not condemned. Why? Because Jesus has done something incredible. And as we lead up to Easter, we're going to talk more about this. But through the life, the death and the resurrection of Christ, we are totally forgiven. We're totally forgiven. That's why we can have a new start. Because in Christ, we are totally forgiven. You know, there's a verse in the Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 12. And it says, and I think I've got my directions right here. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, how far is it? How far is it from the east? to the west if you ask a geography student that question they'd have to really defer to a mathematics student because it's actually an infinite distance because in a two-dimensional sense the east and the west never meet you see that and so as far as the east is from the west that's how far god has removed our sin or our transgressions from us in other words god has done something dramatic and powerful and all everlasting in Christ and he has totally removed our sin all the muck of our lives all our faults and our failures he has removed that as far as the east is from the west an infinite distance so that therefore that's why we can say we're not condemned every day is a new day in Jesus do you know if you're trusting in Christ can I say folks you have no past you have no past. We can think of our past. 
very easy. If I wanted to, I could take you back and you could start thinking about things that have happened to you and things you've said to other people and stuff that's gone on in your life. And it's not that sometimes it's not very pleasant. But if you're trusting in Christ, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. In other words, we have no path. We're a new person. We're a new person in Jesus. That's why we can have a fresh start. Not because we've decided to be better people, but because God has done something incredible in Jesus. I love this thing. And so we're going to get a, next week, hopefully, we'll have a banner. A banner up out the front there, three metres wide, one and a half metres deep. And uh, it's going to say this. And uh, we've had it designed. And um, it's going to very shortly come up on the screen. This, um, oh, sorry, I'm looking down there and there's nothing on that screen, but here it is. So, a great place for a fresh start. Sunday, 10 a.m., we're going to have it out the front. It's going to be our tagline. We're, we're making a whole lot of postcards, which we're going to ask everyone here to help us letterbox at neighborhood, because this is what we want to proclaim, that there's a great place for a fresh start because of what Christ has done. How good's that? Great place for a fresh start. New life in Jesus. You know, I just want to conclude with a little story. You know, I know you'd be surprised to hear that. But, um, and some folks have heard me tell the story before, particularly Joy, but that's all right. Um, some years ago, I was asked to take a youth camp. And I've spoken to lots of youth camp. Not so much more recently. I don't know why that is. But um, some years ago, I spoke at this youth camp. And... Uh, I've done many camps, Easter camps and family camps, but this one went for five days. Now, when you're a speaker at a camp, five days is a fair while. And they were mostly um, 14 and 15-year-old, um, mostly boys, but there were some girls, but mostly boys. And it was pretty clear from the start of this camp that it was going to be a bit of a struggle. It was in the Grampians, and uh, Christian camp, and first night, had musicians like we've got today. They were singing, and I couldn't hear much coming from the group of the campers. Turned around, I don't think, there was about one person singing, you know, and then all the rest were just full. And this was the beginning of five days. So, that, you know, when you're the speaker of a camp, and you see that at the beginning, you think, oh, this could be interesting. And as it went on, it became increasingly clear to me that it was, a, it was a tough gig. And these 15-year-old boys in particular, they were always looking at one particular lad who was, who was sort of the, I don't think ringleaders to quite the right word, but um, sort of a dominant sort of character in the place. And if, I always used to look for him for reaction. So if he smiled, they would sort of show his smile. If he had his arms like this, then they were all sort of, you know, like this. So he was, he was a pretty dominant character. And so I decided that I was going to really pray for this lad. Because you know, I could see that if anything was going to happen at this camp, something, I'm not, sorry, I'm not, I don't mean to be pointing directly at Callum here, but, um, but he, and all, the other thing was he had a nickname. And bear in mind, this was some years ago, and, at, and the nickname is different today, means different things today than what it did then. But, they called this lad Dork, right? Now, today, if you say that someone's a dork, you know, a bit of a wally, a bit of a 
you know, a bit of a strange person, but back that I'd never even heard of this term at the time and, and everyone called him Dork. And um but as the camp went on, Dork began to remove himself from his friends and often would spend a lot of time in his room and he was the camp organizers were a bit concerned because he didn't want to sort of come out of his room very often. And they think, Oh, maybe we should bring his parents and um send him back home and I said no no I reckon that there's something going on in this bloke's life so we get to the second to last night of the camp or maybe it was the last night and um, and not much had happened at this camp singing was pretty lousy nothing gets a musician but just you know and I'd be preaching away and nothing and uh, anyway we went and we prayed and we had a lot of prayer going on amongst the leaders. And we, um, so at the end of this session I was preaching at, I gave an opportunity for a response and, um, dead quiet. So I'm just thinking, well, Lord, if you're here and you're alive and you're real, then something's going to have to happen here because uh, this is, this is the crunch point. Next minute, Dork, who was sitting at the back, comes out the front and collapses on the front, sobbing. And next minute, it was like a, a damn wall broke. And and this is not exaggerating. I have been known to slightly exaggerate, but I don't think I'm exaggerating when virtually the whole camp ended up out the front. The whole camp. And there was crying and weeping and laughter. And, um, and then the... The musicians started to play a song. Well, you would have thought it was a whole new crowd of people because all of a sudden everyone's singing and worshipping and, and something incredible was happening. And uh, and shortly after, and I prayed for this young man that he would give his life to Christ and it was a tremendous thing. And about five minutes later, um, he just suddenly says to me, oh, look, I, I don't want to be called Dork anymore. I want to be called by my real name, Alex. He said, because Dork's dead. He'd been a Christian for five minutes. But he knew that he was a new person in Jesus, you see. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and all these 15-year-old boys were just running around the camp, Dork's dead, Dork's dead. <laughs> Just as fortunately, our parents were there at the time and they would sort of wonder what's going on. But it was just this transformation because he, he received a new heart. He became part of a new family and he, became, he, had, he had a fresh start in Christ. Folks, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new person. They're a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And that's the good news of the gospel. Just going to ask if people would like to just um, just stand now, and I'm just going to lead you in prayer. Let's all stand together. Father, as we are just still before you, I ask, Lord, that your spirit might speak into all of our lives. Whether we've... Um, known you for a long time or whether Christianity is just a, a bit unusual and not clear to us at the moment. Lord, whatever our circumstances, I pray 
that your spirit will speak into our hearts and we might know that we can have a fresh start in Jesus. Whether we've got great regrets about past things that have happened to us or things we've said, whether we're really disappointed with the way our life is going at the moment, Father, you promise to give us a new start in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as we worship you now in the singing of this song, that that might be a reality that we might know the wonderful fullness of having a new start in Jesus. A new start in Jesus. Touch our hearts, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.